If you can hear the sound of my voice, clap your hands one time. Clap your hands two times. Clap your hands ten times. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Welcome, everybody, to Collaborative Homebrew 101, the cure for the common murder hobo. Uh, my name is Adam Davis. Uh, my name is Adam Johns. Uh, we're the executive directors of a nonprofit organization called Game to Grow, uh, based in the greater Seattle area. We use games like Dungeons and Dragons to help teenagers build social skills. Um, we gave a, a talk earlier today, so we're not going to talk too much about that. Um, but I want to know from you guys in the audience um, how many of you are dungeon masters? Awesome. I'm so glad you're here. Um, So you are probably familiar with this phenomenon uh, known as the murder hobo, um, where your players, no matter how hard you work on making a really awesome, intricate storyline, they just want to run around, kill things, steal things, and sleep in alleyways. Um, um, so in our in our games, we, we play Dungeons and Dragons uh, with uh, socially challenged kids. And so a lot of our players are very socially isolated in their real lives. And so in the games, they want to uh, travel around, be powerful, kill things, steal things, and sleep in alleyways. Um, so we have uh, come up with uh, uh, a way in our groups to collaborate, to help them um, work with other people, to help them um, create a world together. The reality is, is that the murder hobo, the phenomenon of the murder hobo, is all about motivation. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to walk you guys through how to make an entire um, world from scratch with your players so that they will feel motivated to be a part of that world and to actually do stuff in the world rather than just go around and kill people. Which is sort of doing stuff. So, <laughs> so it's not as productive. What we found is that a lot of people, when, when uh, players want to go around and do that, kill things, steal things, and um, sleep in alleyways, oftentimes it is because they're looking for uh, a sense of power. So um, one thing we're going to do is we're going to build a map together as a group and create the world. And f- um, having an opportunity to create the world uh, gives you a sense like you matter, like you are, are building this world that you're playing in, which then reduces, we've seen in our groups at least, um, the need to act out to feel powerful in the game. So before we get started, um, uh, we, we just want to say this is our first time doing this panel, um, and so I have no idea how this is going to go. So we'll see. You guys get to be a part of this experiment along with us. It will either be a spectacular failure or a tremendous success, um, and we'll see. So Adam and I um, are already a little bit warmed up. We're already ready to go, ready to start making a map. But I think you guys have had a long day of paxing, and you need some warming up. So the, the first thing we need to do is rub your hands together like this. A little bit faster. A little bit faster until it almost starts to hurt a little bit, like it gets so hot. And then I'm going to say three, I'm going to say two, I'm going to say one, and I want you to hold your hands out in front of you. Three, two, one. Do you feel that tingling? That's all the energy that's in this room right now. Um, So um, I'm going to lead you guys through a a warm-up activity that we have used in our groups. So the idea of collaboration, and uh, I don't know if I heard a groan right now for a warm-up activity. Uh, You can choose how much you want to participate in this. If you don't want to, there is no pressure. But um, what we have found is collaboration is really almost a disposition. Um, Collaboration is this idea that we're building something bigger than what we can do um, on our own. So it's really a win-win scenario. So what I want you to do right now is find a partner who's next to you. Like Adam and I are new partners. <laughs> and what we're going to do is we're going to play sort of an inverse rock-paper-scissors. In rock-paper-scissors, you're trying to do the thing to win over the other person. This game is not rock-paper-scissors. It's called tiger-pistol-person. And what you're going to do is you're going to get sort of back-to-back, or if you're, you can stand up if you want to, but you can do the seated if, if, if that's your desire. You're going to get back-to-back, and then whenever you feel the impulse, you're going to turn around and face each other. And you're either going to do tiger, pistol, or person. And if you succeed, or if you're, if you're not doing the same thing, then you turn around and you try again. You go back-to-back, and you try again. Well, we did it right. We're good collaborators. Um, <laughs> Your goal is to do the same thing at the same time. If you do, you celebrate. If you're both tigers, (laughs) if you're both people, and if you're both pistol, the pistol shoot fireworks. It's firework pistol, of course. (laughs) Um, So find a partner, and you can begin. Ah. 
again. Oh. <laughs> Ooh, I'm seeing some people stand up. That's great. <laughs> If you can hear my voice, clap your hands one time. If you can hear my voice, clap your hands two times. Clap your hands three times. Clap your hands ten times. That is a well-deserved applause for all of you. That's just so you guys know, that's a teacher trick. Um, and if you're a game master, you're also a cat wrangler. You're also a, uh, you're, you have to use some of those classroom management tricks. So that's one of mine, that my favorite ones is clap your hands if you can hear my voice. So hopefully at this point, there's already this sort of uh, spirit of collaboration infused in this room. I saw some high-fiving. I saw some, um, some awesome celebrating when you guys were working together. Some great cat pawing. Absolutely. Really, really good. High-quality cat I heard the high-five across the room. It's fantastic. Um, so what we're going to do now is we're going to build the world that we are going to uh, create an adventure hook for together. So Adam has his uh, tablet connected to the screen over there, and we're going to be having some people come up here and help us make this map one map feature at a time. So I drew kind of a quick outline. This is sort of a top left corner of a continent. Um, and I'm going to add a feature just to, just to get us started, I'm going to add, I'm going to add a mountain. Uh, like all maps, this is this could be representative. You can clearly tell I'm a great artist. Um, this could be representative of a single mountain. It could be representative of a mountain range. Who knows? And that's the fun of this. Um, Adam, would you do you want to add something? I would love to add something. <clears throat> I'm going to add. Let's see. I'm going to add. This is like a peak sticking out right there. So that's like a like a, a point of on the sh- on the shore that's like pointy, like the rock of Gibraltar. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, all right. So now what I need is I need five volunteers to come up and add to our map. Um, oh my gosh. I don't think you're gonna be able to pick hands. All right, so it's gonna be really su- super hard to do. Um, like that one in the back. You there, in the blue in the back there. Yep. Um, Come on around this way and go ahead and line up next to us. Um, how about uh, you there with the glasses? Yep. And then with the reddish hair in the back. And oh my gosh, that hat is spectacular. Yeah, come on. Come on, that guy. Uh, how many people is that? We'll, we'll, we'll grab one more. We'll grab one more. Um, I'm, I'm a fan of hoodies in the black and red hoodie right there. <laughs> we will have other opportunities. You guys, you guys are going to do all sorts of stuff. Don't worry. Um, all right. I'm going to hand this to you. Um, this is for other stuff, so go ahead and draw anything you want. Uh, a feature of some kind. Now, a feature can be, it can be like a, um, a, uh, a geographical feature, but it can also be something like a uh, city. It can be something like um, a, uh, an interesting feature, something you would find on a map. Or like a tree house or... A, yeah. a whistle sticking out of the ground. Nah. It's supposed to be uh, it's supposed to be like a tower with a hole blown through it. Awesome. Ooh. That's super interesting. I love it. That's spectacular. Yeah. Thank you so much. So the, the one thing that we want to caution you guys to is we're not gonna name anything yet. So everything here is just as is, and we can interpret that in all sorts of different ways. Um, and we're gonna take that in different directions. Sweet. It's supposed to be a pot of gold. It could be a rainbow with a pot of gold. I think everybody's everybody's on that direction. Water, water is important. Yeah, awesome. We have different understandings of what of what map features are, um, depending on the groups. I've had uh, floating islands. I've had uh, hidden temples. Um, my first rainbow. Good. Lava. Okay, nice. A little fire somewhere. Awesome. A river to feed our lake. Or maybe feeding into the ocean. I think it's feeding the ocean. That could totally be the case. Maybe it's runoff from the mountain. 
Oh, someone already made a tree. All right. Well, that's, that's a tap. There can be more than one tree. There can, you can also make lots of trees. No, but my tree's special. Your tree's special? Yeah, awesome. so here's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Uh, I'm no artist here, but I'm going to draw a little house. That's oh, right. supposed to be a city. Cool. I'm great. We got, we got a city. Or maybe <laughs> you are great. You are great. That you are great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, everybody. Everybody. That's so good. So that could be a city. It could be a small town. It could be one gigantic house, almost the size of our mountain. I did have a map where the, the participants made the largest house in the world. Yeah. And it was a tourist attraction. <laughs> perfect. They went and they found it was actually kind of small. So now what we're going to do is, this, this map's a good starting space, but we need to add some names. We need to name some stuff on this map. So um, let's start. We're going we're gonna to name our mountain that I'm adding to the map. So in this case, we're going to call it Mount something. And I, for, for right now, I'm just going to have you shout out a word. Mount what? Wait. First thing I heard was Solaria. Solaria. Mount Solaria. I like it. You guys can excuse my... Mount Solaria. We don't know anything about Mount Solaria yet. Oftentimes, when we make a map, um, this is a place that the adventuring party has never been. So they don't, they, they're not going to have a familiarity with these places yet. That's coming next. So Mount Solaria. So we're going we're gonna to name our lake in the same way. Somebody shout out a, a name for a lake. I, I heard Lake Bagel. I like bagels. Yeah. Lake Bagel. This is a real challenge because now I have to spell bagel and not beagle. It's uh, B-A-G-E-L. Bagel. Bagel. <laughs> there's there's so many ideas coming from the audience. Um, there's when so as you can probably tell, there's like a really strong desire to be the one who names something. So um, when we have more participants than we have geographic features, or we want to really do this collaboratively, one thing we do is uh, we consult the oracle and we do it kind of like a Ouija board, where we have participants yell out one letter at a time. I'm not sure how this is going to work with an audience of 200, but... We're going to name this Tower. <laughs> and it's going to be a Tower of something. Okay. I heard... I heard... <laughs> I think you would have as much luck just mashing the <laughs> It'd be about... about Followed by delete. Y, I heard a Y, A. Y and A. B. I heard B. B. I heard W. W. I heard I heard R. R. Put it on. Alright. We've got the tower. Can you guys I want you all to read this tower and pronounce it at the same time on, on, on three. One, two, three. Yeah, perfect. The tower. Where's the emoji? Uh, perfect. We're gonna, we're, so there's a lot of times we'll we'll ask for a letter and then they'll want to do something like omega, or um, the O with the, like the line through it, or umlauts. And so we have had things like we've traveled to a, a, a fantastical distant land with the with the, the town of Uxisphere. <laughs> And then it becomes like, this town gets really offended if you say that wrong. <laughs> Be and, very, very careful about yeah. how you say it. <laughs> and we've also, you might imagine that this might come up where, uh, you know, our, our participants are often like 11 to 15 year old boys. And so we'll do things like, uh, give me a letter F, give me a letter U, give me a letter C, new choice. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do that with you guys too. <laughs> You're basically a crowd of 15-year-old boys. That's absolutely true. All right. So um, we're going to name one more thing, one letter at a time. We're going to name our cool town right here, or house, or whatever we want to call it. Um, so we're going we're gonna to name it one letter at a time. So we're going to do the same thing. It's going to be madness. Um, go for it. I heard L-S and something else. S? I heard S. I heard E. I heard Q. I heard semicolon. It looks kind of like a J. It's hard to write semicolons. I heard U. I heard P. I heard hashtag. I don't know how you pronounce hashtag. This is gonna. 
This is a very strange town. <laughs> All right. How do you pronounce that? <laughs> That's how you pronounce it. Laquashtek. Laquashtek. <laughs> so we we haven't we haven't decided <laughs> we haven't decided whether Laquashtek is or or the pound sign. Maybe it's divided into two parts with different opinions about how it should be. We haven't decided if that's a town, if that's a house. Maybe that's the house of Laquashtag. And that's where... It's great so far. So I'm going to hand the map over to Adam. Because I'm going to come down into the audience because we're going to make up some more important things about this place. So right now we have a map. And we're already, I'm sure you're already sort of percolating what kinds of uh, things happen in this tower or this town of a hashtag. Um, so what Adam's going to do is Adam has this uh, microphone. And he's going to walk around and he's going to actually get some uh, gossip from you guys about things that you're, the characters in the game or you, your characters in the game might have heard about these things. This is gossip. So this is not necessarily a true thing. It's sort of like, um, I heard that everything is bigger in Texas. Now, I'm from Texas, and that's why I'm so large. <laughs> Better the case. Um, so we have an idea. So the guts is going to be about stuff that's going on. It might be about uh, Mount Solaria. It might be about uh, the Clash Tag. Um, it might be about something that we haven't even named yet. So if we have an idea for a gossip, we're going to add some gossip. Uh, I've heard the uh, Lich was recently elected mayor in the question. <laughs> we have a mayor Lich in the question. That's um, awesome. There's a town of dwarves that think they're giants. Awesome. Uh, somewhere on there, there's a town of dwarves that think they're giants. They come all the way around. I heard the wizard Taco in the TV uh, having a show on the question. Oh my gosh. I would pay so much money to see a, a show by Taco. That would be spectacular. I'm actually a huge fan. You guys know that. Okay, we're going to one more. I heard that there's a treasure at the bottom of Lake Bagel. That's that's supposed to be a treasure chest. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. Okay. So what we're gonna do next is we've got a great world, and our world looks really good. It's really rich. We got a lot of really interesting stuff that's going on. But it's not enough to have just a good world. This world is a space where you might explore, but it doesn't really give you anything to do as an adventure. It doesn't really give you a, a chance to go be motivated. And what we really need to stop our murder hobos is motivation. So I'm going to invite four people to come up on stage with us, and they're going to sit, and they're going to help us create what are called rooms. So if you would be comfortable sitting on stage, you're going to have to write, uh, see if you can be comfortable writing, and you're going to help us make some rooms. <coughs> So, um, Adam's picking people. Um, uh, what a rumor is, is um, this way to get your characters to have buy-in, your players to have buy-in. So a lot of times, like I said earlier, the, the players go into murder hobo mode when they don't really care what's happening in the story. So this is a way to have in-game a way for the uh, characters to come across an adventure. So sometimes this is an in-game thing where they, the players go to a... a, a bulletin board and they see the different adventure options, but this is a way for the players to actually create what those adventure options are. <laughs> Hello. Hello. I appreciate, I appreciate cosplay so much. I, I, just spectacular. It's so much effort. Um, I think I think we need to get some names from you guys. Oh, what's your name? I'm Laura. Laura. I'm Curtis. He's Curtis. Curtis. <laughs> um, should should we just call you Frieza? Is Lord Frieza appropriate? Prince. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and last Barry. Barry? Barry. Barry. Yeah. Barry. Awesome. So uh, in front of each of you, you see you have a piece of paper and you have a pen. So what we're going to add to our map here is a quick sentence frame. So a rumor is made up of three parts. A rumor is a bad thing happening in a place, and we care because there's a reason. Um, this can be all sorts of different things. It actually doesn't even really need to be a bad thing, although obviously that's often more motivating for an adventure. Um, the sentence frame is a suggestion. You don't have to keep to the sentence frame. But what each of you are going to come up with is something that's happening in our world that exists right here on our map that's happening in some place and some reason why we care about it. The, the we care part can be money, can be a powerful magic item. It could be that um, there's a troll that is eating a bunch of kids and we should care because they're kids and that's awful. Um, so so you, can, you can come up with the plot line, basically, that you're going to suggest. And what we're going to do is we're going to read each of those plot lines, and you'll know which one is yours, but you won't know which one is anybody else's, and then we're going to vote on those plot lines and decide which one we're going to pursue. There's all sorts of different ways that you can think about this concept. So you guys can, can get started if you have an idea. Um, there's all sorts of different ways that you can think about this idea. Um, I traveled to a city, and I went off into the city in search of what might be interesting going on around here. Um, and I, I came back with this very interesting rumor that I had heard. As a dungeon master, when I see these rumors, I keep in mind that I don't have to stick to this exactly. If somebody says, I heard that there's a rat in the cellar of this place, and he will give you a Vorpal sword if you can. <laughs> well, some of my players might be trying to get a Vorpal sword, um, but I can use this as a framework. And it turns out the rat is actually a massive Tarrasque rat, um, <laughs> which I just made up, uh, and it's to a, a Tarrasque and he will give you a Vorpal Sword because that thing is terrifying. Or maybe um, Vorpal Sword is literally just a sword with Vorpal carved into the blade. Uh, whatever the case may be, I, I can change some of the details around. It's a rumor, and rumors sometimes, they usually have a seed of truth, a grain of truth to them, but they also are, are often wrong. Um, so I can change all the parts of that as, as I see fit. How are you guys coming along? Okay, you're doing great. Um, as they're making their rumors, um, we've had all sorts of really interesting plot lines come from this idea. Um, in a personal game of mine, uh, we traveled to a winery because somebody had heard that the wine was being artificially aged by time magic. And we found out later on in that campaign that the time magic was hugely unstable. And so as we got to the winery, the entire world collapsed. A super interesting campaign all came out of this rumor system. Um, we use this in, in our uh, social skills groups, and it's um, it'll go from anything from like the, a sorcerer Ravadova wants a sample of blue meat that comes from sea cows, and we care because she'll give us magic items. So sometimes it's really simple, like we're going on a quest for a thing, and other times it's there are students being abducted from this one school, and we think it's because the divinity school is trying to resurrect an ancient death lord. And so there's uh, um, lots of seeds there. You can do lots of things with it. Um, I had a group that said, um, I heard that the Justice Society of Amagica is holding tryouts. And we want to go there because then we can be part of this super cool group. And then I used that and made the Justice Society of Amagica actually like a, um, a hate group um, trying to kill werewolves. And then I turned my group into werewolves and um, made them have to fight against the Justice Society of Amagica. <laughs> So ideally, um, has offered them the opportunity. I like that. Um, ideally, uh, when you're trying to create an entire world and you're a dungeon master and you are given just a blank slate, it's hard to do. Um, some people are hugely creative, are ready to jump in, have so many ideas. I don't have that many ideas. I had a lot of ideas until I started running five groups a week, and then I ran out of ideas really, really quickly. Um, so... Part of what we do, part of the reason that we do this is because it's way easier to be creative within a framework than it is to be creative in an open, in an open sheet. Um, and that's true for the players, too. Giving them like a, a frame like this gives an opportunity to conceptualize some things. Giving them a world and giving them things that they can build on in that world gives opportunity to be creative.
creative within that framework. And Dungeons and Dragons is all about that idea. Are you guys all, all done or just about done? Just about. Okay. Go ahead and pass me the ones that are done. So what's going to happen next is uh, the players are actually going to vote on which one they are the most motivated by. But we're not going to give everybody one vote because oftentimes people just vote for their own. Um, so everybody votes twice. So they're probably going to pick their own, and they'll pick the other one they like the next best. And so we'll see what happens. So the way that I want you guys to be thinking about this is imagine that you're sitting and you're playing a game of Dungeons & Dragons or whatever your favorite role-playing game is. Um, and your DM has offered you this opportunity to pursue a quest. So now you've created some quests. Hopefully, this is a quest that you would be interested in pursuing. Hopefully, this is a quest that you would be excited to go on. Um, but you may find that somebody else's quest is also exciting. Um, so I'm going to read through these, and then I'm going to read through them again, and we're going to vote on um, what, What's Lee? Lee? Lek? Lek? Hashtag? Is that what he's deciding? Hashtag. Hashtag. It's like a little bit of like a It's like a little Okay, here we go. Some say the lich of Lequashtag keeps his phylactery in the tower of Zyabwer, guarded by powerful enchanted armor. Super interesting. Um, I heard that the tower of um, Zybauer is overrun with cats, and we care because they're kitties, and we want to pet them. <laughs> um, some say that Lake Begel um, is is draining rapidly. There's a hole in it. There's a hole in Lake Begel. <laughs> That's pretty spectacular. <laughs> I love my job. Our last, our last rumor, I heard that there's a man in the clash tag that believes it is actually like pound signs. He is offering a massive reward for recovering an ancient relic from the lava flow that will prove him correct. <laughs> these are all, these are spectacular. This is awesome. a great job. Okay, what we're going to do is we're going to do this by um, show of hands. I'm going to read through them again, and then um, you guys are going to vote on which which two you like. So you get two votes, but you can't vote twice for the same one. Make sense? Perfect. Are they voting now, or are they, are they yeah. just here? Oh, yeah, I guess I'll read through them. Do you need to hear them again? I, I would like to read them again, yes. Okay, okay. Um, I'll start with you. Some say that the Lich of the Clash Tag keeps his phylactery in the Tower of Zabauer, guarded by powerful enchanted armor. I read that differently every single time. Um, I heard that the Tower of Zabauer is overrun with cats, and we care because it's kitties, and we want to pet them. Um, some say that Lake Begel is draining rapidly. And I heard that there's a man in the cash tag that believes it is actually like pound sign. He is offering a massive reward for recovering an ancient relic from the lava flow that will prove him correct. All right, you guys ready to vote? Sweet. Who wants to vote for? Some say the lich of the cash tag keeps his phylactery in the Tower of Zabauer, guarded by powerful enchanted armor. All right, we have three votes for that. Um, I heard that the Tower of Zbauer is overrun with cats, and we care because it's kitties, and we want to pet the kitties. <laughs> the audience goes too. Oh, you have no idea. That's going to be the, the next thing we're going to do. Absolutely. Um, some say that Lake Begel is draining rapidly. We know why. And lastly, I heard that there's a man in the cash tag that believes it is actually Luke Poundsign. He is offering a massive reward for recovering an ancient relic from the lava flow that will prove him correct. Is that three? Awesome. We have a tie. Oh man, if only there was some polyhedron of randomness we could use. So there's two ways that we would do this normally. Either we would, we would eliminate them and then make them vote on the remaining options, or we would use both options and combine it into one massive crazy storyline. I don't think I've made the rumors fight to the death. 
We'd have to fight to the death. In real life. A cage match. In this case, we're not going to do either of those two things. Because we're doing this in front of a live audience. And so we're going to make you guys vote. So before we do that, I want to give a big round of applause to Laura and Curtis and, of course, Prince Frieza and Baron. Thank you so much. So you guys are going to vote. Um, I have this uh, scientific equipment. Uh, it's right here. Um, it's going to tell me which one of these we're going to use. I call it the audience of meter It's a great name. Hey, guys. <laughs> um, so here, here's, here's the deal. Um, Adam's actually mostly deaf in his left ear. What that means is that you guys, he's going to turn his body, and he's going to listen for shouts, and you guys are just going to vote with your shouts. But what that means is that you guys on the left, you're going to have to be extra loud for the thing you want to vote for. So what that means is that you guys on the right, those lefties are totally going to outshout you. You guys need to be extra loud for the thing you need to vote for. All right, so here we go. I'm going to read them down again, and we're going to pick the one that you, you the audience, like the most. In the right order. Some say that the Lich of Lukashtag keeps his phylactery in the Tower of Zbaur, guarded by powerful enchanted armor. Lich in the Cat Tower! Alright, <laughs> right. not, not a lot of votes, so you can scream, shout, if you want to vote for this one, now's your chance. Okay. Alright, good. Um, the next one. I heard that the Tower of Zbaur is overrun with cats, and we care because it's kitties, and we want to pet kitties. Kitties has it right now. Yeah. Some say that Lake Begel is draining rapidly. So far, it's Begel. <laughs> and I heard that there's a man in Lukashtag that believes he's actually Luke Poundtide, but look Poundtide. <laughs> you guys did not make it easy. <laughs> He is offering a massive reward for recovering an ancient relic from the lava flow that will prove him correct. I think that last one might have got it. Okay, we're, we're gonna I was one. expecting it to be bagel. We're going to do one last one. We're going to do. I'm just going to. I'm just going to say bagel, and I'm going to say lava flow. You ready? Bagel. Lava flow. I'm deaf. They sound the same to me. <laughs> as much of us mix them together. I guess we're going to do them both. <laughs> maybe the lava flow has something to do with them. Oh. Maybe, yes. maybe they have something to do with each other. Perfect. Now, we need, a, we need kind of a capstone for our, for our rumors. We need to bring this to a, to a, a really spectacular place. So oftentimes when we have rumors, um, there is someone who doesn't get their idea in the game. And so then you're not solving that buy-in issue with that particular player. So the next thing that we do is actually another round of gossip, this time with the rumors, and everyone's idea is incorporated. So Adam's going back down there, and this is the, the time where if we still want to have kitties in the game... Maybe somebody can suggest that there's kitties digging a hole down in the bottom of Lake Bagel. I don't know, maybe somebody wants to say that. Just an idea. Just an idea from up here. Somebody can use it. <laughs> totally unbiased. I just, I just love everybody's ideas being mixed together. Kid, maybe the, the lich is actually a cat. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I just that's what I pushed. Okay, we're
Maybe he is more sinister than his good intentions would imply. I heard that there's this community of evil cat worshippers that are doing evil rituals in, with the lab in order to summon a great cat lord. I heard there was a uh, old catfish that came from the lake of Babel that had information of why the bowl was there. <laughs> I wonder if that's an old bread. I've not been writing them down. They're all just washing over me in an awesome waves. <laughs> I think that was three. Thanks. I heard that there's a giant lava monster and a lava flow. Oh, awesome. So there's a giant lava monster and a lava flow. Maybe that's related to the cat's room. Maybe that's the monster that there's some. Perfect. Alright, I, I think we've got one more room that we're going to add to something all the way around. We have some very enthusiastic people over here and over here and in the back. <laughs> the uh, kitties living in the tower are a race like the Thundercats, and they don't like being that close to the water, so they're trying to eat the lava to get rid of it. That's the cat. I want to see if this will work. Can you guys give me the best Thundercats home? If I say Thundercats, we would give you a home. To be fair, I didn't know what they were asking you to do. <laughs> oh, yeah, Thundercats. <laughs> I get that reference. <laughs> is it on Netflix? Yes, it is. That's spectacular. Okay. So, I didn't write down all of our gossip. But you guys now have, effectively, an entire world and an opportunity to be able to go explore that world. Now, obviously the appeal here is that this world is well-designed for the people who made it. In this case, it's for you. But if you're going to take this entire world and play it at your table, you may find that they're still murder hoboing their way through your world. Um, Ultimately, what you're trying to do is you're trying to make that world with your players. Because the, the things that they added into that world, now they want to see them come to fruition. They want to see them expand. They want to see them grow. They want to see them take on their own life. And often of times, they want to see you get challenged as a dungeon master on how you're going to shape and change that. Um, in one case, I had a player um, describe that a bunch of people were being kidnapped. The rumor was that a bunch of people were being kidnapped by vampires. And so he described that the vampires were kidnapping them using minivans that they would drive up and, and, and kidnap them in a van and drive away. Um, and so I made a series, I can't remember what the acronym was, I made a, a portal that the acronym was VAN, uh, and they were sort of kidnapping them and throwing them into the portals um, in order to send them to their lairs. It's ultimately a great challenge for you as Dungeon Masters, but it's also just a hilarious way. They're waiting to see what you will do with that rumor. They're waiting to see how you can use that or how you can incorporate that. And because they're waiting for that, they're on pins and needles, and they will not turn around and start killing everybody in the town of Lakashtag because they want to see what happens with this whole plot line. And you can use these these elements, this one one letter at a time thing, not just in the rumors or the map making, you can do that once they go into the quash tag. You can say the mayor. Oh, the mayor. Well, what's his name? One letter at a time. Um, I, I had a, a group that was traveling in the Nine Hells, and we named a, uh, a demon that they met that we're going to have to do uh, a, a bargain with. And his name was uh, Zaxu Zazizoza. 
Uh, they were loved X's and Z's. Um, and so it became an in-game thing that the more Z's a devil has in his name, the higher in rank he is. <laughs> so then they met other, other devils, and we named them. And then they put a bunch of Z's in there, and that determined the rank of that thing, that, that devil they met. And when they helped this one devil, Zaxuzazi Zoza, um, get his uh, mission accomplished, however, he, uh, <clears throat> his like, name tag grew. <laughs> and it became Zaxuzazi Zozi Zuza. <laughs> and they were sent back into the material plane. <laughs> um, we've come up with all sorts of really interesting names using the naming system, really interesting worlds. Um, in one case, um, we created uh, an enti- entire town populated by one person um, named Binlo who was the world's best boss, and he made hats to prove it. Um, they just said world's best boss on it. Um, and the town's name was Ketlixiv, because we had a player who kept adding X's to everything. Uh, and they also encountered a dragon that same campaign named... Uh, that was Kexarova. Kexarova, yeah. There was a lot of X's in that. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, I think that's most of what we actually had planned for you guys. You went through our material way faster than we thought we were going to. So um, what we're going to do now is we're going to open it up for any Q&A or um, interesting stuff you want to ask us. Um, And we're more than happy to tell stories or um, answer questions. But before we do that, um, we are Adam Johns and Adam Davis. We are the executive directors of Game to Grow. You should go track us down. Game to Grow is a nonprofit organization where we're working to use games to help people with therapeutic, educational, and community growth. Um, and thank you so much, guys, for coming and being a part of our very experimental panel. I want you guys to give yourselves a big round of applause. Before you leave, I'm going to take a picture. Like, spread out or, like, look excited or something. There we go. Are you you in in selfie mode? Everybody say LaQuashtag! a microphone right here. If you'd like to uh, line up and ask us some questions, either about the rumor-making process, the map-making process, or about how we use Dungeons and & Dragons and other kinds of games and social, social skills groups, groups, please line up. Uh, we also have uh, flyers here. Um, a little bit more about what we do. Yeah, thanks so much. Go ahead. Um, favorite DM? Oh, gosh. Um... This is from a personal campaign. Can I? Is it okay if I do the, the um, your character? Yeah. 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 Before. Uh, this is from a personal campaign uh, where I was Adam's dungeon master, and uh, he was playing a character that um, his character's father was uh, had gone missing from a very young age, and we went to an interdimensional prison where his father the door wasn't locked, but his father aged as he moved closer and closer to the door. And his character was an illusionist and believed that his father had been tricked by an illusion. And so he dragged his father out of the jail cell, effectively killing him. I was that, I was that character. It was really traumatic. It was very traumatic. <laughs> and it was amazing. Super fun to do as a dungeon master. Um, it's the closest I think I ever got Adam to tears because of the, because because of of the story. Because of my Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank yeah, thank you. Uh, hi, I'm, I really like the like tiger solo person thing, and I find myself doing a bunch of convention games, one shots. I do like one shot arts and stuff like that. So I'm wondering if you have any other kind of stuff like for the initial like establishing the collaborative space, icebreaking that sort of thing. There's a whole lot of them. Um, so I recommend you pick up an improv book or take an improv class. Uh, there's a book that I really like called Zoomy Zoomy, um, and it's a book of improv games. And my background is actually in drama therapy, and I've done a lot of applied improvisation. I, I like learned how to do um, political um, collaborative theater in Africa, so I bring in a lot of that kind of stuff in the work that we do. Um, but Zoomy Zoomy is a great book. So one of the ones that we do actually, that um, one of the ways we start every session is with a recap of the previous session and we do that um, I have a a magic wand that's carved to look like a dragon and I use it as a conductor 
And so I'll point to the participants, the players of the game, and have them recap the story. And so it'll be like, you have to keep talking as long as the wand is pointing at you. And if the wand is still pointing at you, you have to make up something else to say, even if you kind of have to vamp a little bit and keep talking the whole time. The wand. And points away from you, you have to suddenly stop, even if you're in the middle of a word. And I, I use that as a way to... Uh, uh, help recap the storyline um, and his players have actually gotten so good at doing this that he will hand the wand over to them and they will go through the instructions of the wand and then they will recap the, the entire story for him without Adam um, having to actually do anything it's by Hannah Fox Hannah Fox yeah okay thank you um, my question was tips for first-time DMers. Oh, um, um, the best tips. Um, I, I'm assuming your your players are also first-time. No. Okay. Um, in in that case, I think the best tip for first-time DM is don't don't be too nervous about it. Your players are are oftentimes going to be so much more forgiving, and they're going to be have so much more fun if you're having a good time. Um, prepare as much as you feel like you need to prepare. Don't prepare um, too much, um, because oftentimes the fun of the of the game is being able to roll with the punches. Um, but more than anything, uh, check in with yourself throughout the process as you're halfway through your game. Um, Take a pause, take a break, take a five-minute break, and give yourself a moment to think, am I having a good time? Because um, if you're having a good time, chances are really, really good that your players are too. Um, I, the advice I would have is have your sessions be short so you don't have to over-plan, and that stress of getting through your entire adventure is, is not there. So you'd start off with a 90-minute session, an hour-long session, just to get the groove going, get your, your muscles stretched out a little bit, and then ex- uh, extend that amount of time as you keep going. Okay. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Sure. Um, no, I have a question and a comment. Um, the question is, how would you how would you recommend going about finding players? Because I've been trying for like four years now to set up a campaign, and everyone either is just disinterested or bails on me. So, how would you recommend finding people who would be willing to go for a sustained campaign? Well, that's that's a hard one. Um, it depends a lot on where you live, and if you're in a more populated place, obviously it gives you more options. Um, uh, in Seattle, there's a lot of um, coffee shop game stores, um, which is like a thing that's been popping up kind of everywhere, which is a great idea, going to a cafe and being able to play board games and stuff like that. And those are often really good places to be able to, to set up shop because there's an extra motivation for going and getting a beer or getting a coffee or, or getting a snack or something. A lot of game shops have bulletin boards, um, and that seems really old school, um, but... Uh, that's possibly true. <laughs> um, it's it's. I mean, you're playing a game that's it's a paper and pencil game anyway. So there's something that's like classic about a, a bulletin board. So I would think of something like that, or hang out in a game store, um, do some delves, and find the people you want to play with because that's gonna make or break it anyway. Is if you're playing with people you enjoy playing with and everybody enjoys. Um, I would say plan ahead. I would say um, like a thing that therapists often do is say, well, "How are your next two Tuesdays?" <laughs> Um, to make sure that, that you're looking two weeks ahead or two sessions ahead to make sure they're coming back. Because if, you, if you're trying to do it last minute, like who's ready, who wants to play D&D tonight? It's not going to happen. So I would, I would say look ahead to the future and then um, try, try game stores. Um, the last thing is I think there's a, like a subreddit community that's like looking for groups or, or something yeah, like that. Uh, um, and um, keep in mind that you can play online. Roll20 is still a, an awesome system for, yeah. for being able to play over a long distance. And even if you can't find people local in your area, if you can get on looking for a group or, or a similar community and say, hey, I'm willing to hop on Roll20 if there's a game that's, that I could join or a game that other people who want to come and game for me. Also, it helps if you're, if you're the dungeon master. That's true. Excellent, thank you. Also, my comment is, if you want to get really technical, it would be like those work. Oh, There's a small subset of people in that town who are still fighting. <laughs> 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 the public of whatever that guy does. <laughs> okay, guys, uh, these are like really cool tricks. I'm looking forward to incorporating this next time I try to put it together with some friends. Um, and I, I was going to ask you, um, can you incorporate this in gameplay? And you beat me to it. And you said, like, you can totally do this while you're playing. <laughs> I am curious about that. I really love the way Dungeon World does this, where it's like mechanically built into the game. It's so cool that that's something 
Um, but I also really, really enjoy playing the proper even playing 5e. Um, and it seems like there you have to make a cutoff there. So can you go into a little more detail about how you work that in, but also give yourself sufficient elbow room to go away from that collaborative space and just work something out? So um, we, we have a signal whenever we're going to do collaborative building with our players. We take the Dungeon Master screen and we fold it up and we lay it down, which is a, sort of a non-verbal signal to say, now we're going to do something collaborative. Okay, so you're not in the gameplay. Right. Um, there, there is absolutely a, um, a world-building strategy of trying to problem-solve through world-building, and that comes up all the time where players um, will, will say, like... Um, you're trying to find uh, the Lich King. Tell me something interesting about this town that you're walking into. And they go, well, the Lich King is the, is the town crier. Yeah, he's in the middle of the town right now. Um, and I'll go, well, that's, that doesn't work. That's, you're trying to problem solve for, for the plot line that you're trying to go through. Um, the other thing that, that we will often do throughout, throughout our game is provide the opportunity for players to have input into things that they're discovering. Um, this map right now has a lot of really interesting features, but a, a place like this, unless it's totally wild, would have a lot of towns. It would have lots of smaller features. It might have some forests. And ultimately, as we're as we're traveling through, I'm, I might put some of those things in, and I might say, "There's a there's a forest up in." You can't see that. <laughs> There's a forest up in this area up here, in the shape of a big block, um, and uh, you're traveling through that forest, and you find a town. And then I might say, I take my DM screen, fold it up, and I'd say, "What's something you guys have heard of this town? What's something interesting about this town?" And then I might say, "They eat a really interesting food. What's an interesting food that they eat?" And I might go around to each player and ask them to add one thing to the town, um, and then pick the DM screen back up, and then describe the stuff that's going on. In their, and in their world for he's giving like very specific frames for that so not like what do you know about this town everybody hands out magic weapons when you walk in right everybody wears something interesting on their head yes what so, is that? it's purple hats awesome um, I actually had a player um, fairly recently that I said well they celebrate a really interesting holiday what is the holiday they celebrate and he said they I celebrate handing gold to the to the visitors coming to the town day. Um, and I said, okay. And so they came into the town, and it's it, just like everything else, it's a rumor. So I can do with it what I want. And so they walked into the town, and the person who walked in right behind them, the mayor of the town in a big top hat and a wealthy monocle and everything like that, um, walked up to the person behind them and said, you're our 1,000th visitor for today. Here's a million gold. And then walked away. <laughs> oh, sorry. You, you guys were... Nine hundred and ninety-nine. Exactly. So, um, one one way that I do this. So, I have one adventuring group that um, every adventure starts with them trying to take a vacation, and then that vacation being interrupted by some sort of uh, cataclysmic event. And so, they were like literally on the beach of an island of Kokomo, drinking non-alcoholic beverages because uh, we don't have alcohol in our games um, out of coconuts. And then a guard ran up and said, oh, no, I heard that this bad thing is happening over here. And then another guard runs up and goes, don't, don't, you shouldn't care about that. I have another thing that I heard. I heard that there's a dragon eating children over there. And then another guard jumped up and goes, disregard what they said. I have something else you need to care about. And then I went through the process of voting. I was there, rumors that they had passed me. But then it was in the game. It was like a um, a video game to highlight the NPC to listen to, you know. Okay, thank you. I always, always in the video games, whenever you're highlighting the NPC, they like take a pose like they're really happy, and then when you go off of highlighting them, they look like really dejected. <laughs> yes, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so, in a few days, I'm going to have to run a campaign for like 10 people, and what we decided to do was that because it was so big, we are going to have two DMs. So, what we're settled on now is having two simultaneous DMs, but I'm not sure how that would work, or do you have any tips for that, or just for going into completely and having two separate parties? So, so what I would do 
is I would make, so we actually have a plot line that we created specifically for this thing. And that's a great idea to split it up because 10 people is too many people at the table. Um, and so what I would have the second DM do is that both of you would agree on a greater overarching plot line. And then you can totally still do all, a lot of this world building. And you might even split the map in half and have one, one table um, world build one side of it and one table world build the other side of it. And then after that first world building game, the two DMs can meet and put the world together. Um, but the plot line that we did was there's a... Um, special magic item uh, that exists as the Lich King and Queen plot. Um, so there's a special magic item that exists in a town um, that suddenly got unearthed and um, it's very powerful and because uh, it got suddenly got unearthed it summoned um, the spirit of a Lich King and the spirit of a Lich Queen and they're traveling from further away toward the town at a slow pace slowly gathering armies of undead as they approach the town. And the game ca- campaign ends when the two of them get together and when they, I think when they touch is what we did, or you could do when they kiss um, and uh, over the item. And so they're very powerful forces. And so you send one half the group one direction and one half the group the other direction. And then you're able to, to have them meet um, in the middle um, for the final final campaign day can be something where it's literally one big group and now they're all fighting the, the very powerful Lich King and Queen all together. Okay. Cool. So if that's helpful. We just got a five minute notice. We got a, a, a rapid fire these, check- these next questions. Alright, so I am kind of a, a newer DM. I only actually have one game. But one problem that I've had is I have this one player that I've played with for years now but he loves to just find every crack and crevice to completely break a campaign. And I don't really know how to like adjust to that by not just breaking the rules or just shutting him down because I personally really hate him. Yeah, just say, no, this just doesn't apply because I say so. You know? Is it is it like strategy? Like is he using the mechanics of the game to, to break stuff? Yeah, he's been a DM for like five, six years now, so he knows like every little thing in the game, so he knows how to completely just break everything. So he likes to make himself a very powerful, you know, just very uh, min-max, you know, so I don't really know how to adjust to that. Do you like playing with him? (laughs) (laughs) Is he he here? Should we not bet? No. (laughs) I like playing in his campaigns, but I actually ended my campaign because of the fact that I was just not enjoying being a DM. So one suggestion that I would have, and this is something to somebody else earlier who I didn't answer this, but um, who was a first-time DM, is have a session zero with your players. And a session zero is when you ask them what they want out of the game, you set some table rules, you can set like a blacklist and a whitelist for things you don't want to have in your game, things you do want to have in your game. And then you can establish sort of a language of checking in with each other, of like, what was the game like? Did we have fun today? I don't know, I was kind of frustrated. Here's the thing that happened I didn't like. And then hopefully... Um, if you guys are friends, you have a mutual desire to play together. And then opening the lines of communication let you address the things you don't like um, without having to cut the game down. So I think the more, the more you can cultivate a space where you can communicate, the better. I actually have another answer, but because we're short on time, I won't give it. But if you want to chat with us afterwards, I can give it yeah. to you. Yeah. 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 Hi, thank you for getting into this panel. Yeah. Um, so you do collaborate with the world building. How do you guys uh, do your characters? Interestingly, the characters are the exact opposite. We have a lot of players who come in uh, who've never played any kind of role-playing game before, and we want them playing on day one, getting a chance to really have a good time. So we actually have pre-made characters um, all the way from one levels one to five um, that we give our starting players so that they can jump right in and start playing right away. We do um, collaboratively help them build some backstory. We ask them some basic questions that are things we have them name their character, which sometimes we'll do one letter at a time. Um, And then we ask them some basic questions. Is your character from a big city or a small town? Um, Does your character, your character, uh, what is the the city or town well known for? Um, And then uh, does your character have any siblings? And then at some point, your character left their big city or small town. And why did they leave? Um, they're now an adventurer. Why did they leave? And it gets them kind of started on, on some backstory. We totally encourage our character, our players to make custom characters, but oftentimes they really want to come in and play the game and are not as interested in doing homework. Thank you. Okay. Uh, so my question for the therapy type stuff, I'm a school psychologist, um, and I was wondering if you guys had thought about reaching out to 
the National Association or something like that. So what you guys are doing is what I would like to be doing with my kids because I'm a nerd and I'm a school science. So um, have you guys considered it? Have you appreciate it? Yes. We are short-staffed right now um, and, uh, and working on getting funding and staffing. Um, but uh, the, uh, the, this is a great opportunity to plug something that we have coming up um, for our organization. So we're developing a system called the Critical Core System, uh, which is going to be a box kit that will teach basic Dungeons and Dragons with sort of a stripped down rule set um, so that younger kids can play it and it will include a module that will describe um, the therapeutic value of each particular interaction in the module. So you'll be able to see um, this this particular part of this module where you're breaking through a door um, works on teamwork or collaboration works on uh, creative problem solving um, and being able to sort of break down each piece of that. And the hope is to, to be able to get that out to schools to get more schools engaged and interested um, and so if they, um, if they uh, uh, can get more interested, then we can get like a broader network and, and reach a, a much larger amount of schools. Although I totally encourage you to start a group in your school if you uh, haven't already. Right now, unfortunately, the school district and then other people do the counseling, but I'm looking to go elsewhere. Get some counseling. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your work. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, I think we're out of time. Um, so. I, I was just given a driver's license. Somebody lost their driver's license. If your name is Sarah, check and see if you have your driver's license. <laughs> I think you probably left, Sarah. I'll find Sarah. We will leave it with the PAX Enforcers um, if somebody knows Sarah or is Sarah. Um, awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, thank you for coming to our very experimental panel. If you still have questions, we're going to hang out just outside the doors. Totally come find us, and you can grab a flight. Your panel goes.